is for pressing on. The 16th letter of the alphabet is P, which of course means that we only have 10 to go. P for pressing on. Pressing on is really a track cycling term that's made its way into road coaching and tactical talk. It stems effectively from the use of fixed gears and the need for riders on a steep bank track to, well, speed up basically, to avoid skid panning down the banking and landing track centre. If you watch a novice indoor track coaching or accreditation session, you'll often hear a coach calmly but firmly shouting, press on, in a cheerful way in the direction of the banking. It's calm and cheerful and firm, but what they really mean is for sake pedal because you're about to take everyone out beneath you. It's a useful image in a way for these road racing tactics because of course that fixed gear track pressing on should be done seated and by simply applying a measured and gradual increase of pressure on the pedals. It might be completely unnoticeable to all but the coach who bellowed it and it might just save someone's teeth. Now, thankfully, the art of pressing on as a tactic is extremely useful in both road racing and circuit racing. The key principle to take from the track, though, is that it should be seated without changing gear and as smooth and unnoticeable as possible. Basically, it's an all-out attack where you do everything you can not to look like you're attacking at all. Visually, the form of the rider is simple. The position you're in on the bike must not change prior to or during that seated drive as you press on. You might choose to use it to attack a group or even to attempt to bridge a gap that no one else wants to close, for instance. Either way, you don't want to signal what you're intending to do at any point whatsoever. It's also pretty much the only solo attacking I'll be recommending in this series that works best, or in fact only works, from the front of the bunch. And there's a reason for that. The real fruit with this one is in the few seconds before you actually press on. The groundwork needs to be laid by the rider, signifying to, group, to the group that they are getting out of the way and have no intention of attacking, chasing or doing anything really. Ideally, throw some acting in there for good measure too, as always. Whatever your acting involves, it does need to carry you slightly ahead and to one side of the group or peloton that you're in. So an ideal scenario would be that you are sitting first or second wheel, and then you pull out of that line to either shake your head and look back at those riders, as if to indicate you're not happy with how it's working, or swing forward and left and give yourself the space to reach down to your bottle and do so. Touch the bottle, but don't pick it up yet. Just let your fingers linger on it, or ride forward, and off to the side, indicating to someone, anyone, that you want to feed. A jacket, a yellow rubber ducky, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. My point is you squeeze out the front, off to the side, making like you're having nothing more to do with the front of this race. And then, of course, having bought yourself those few meters, and with hand in pocket, on bottle, on brake lever, on rubber ducky, whatever it is, as you angrily try to adjust that rubbing brake before the group catches you again, you gradually press on. And of course, you do so without changing your form or gear at all. Of course, as soon as you've got an even bigger gap, the trick is up and you can tuck it, gear up and engage your inner ganner. I am happy to admit, by the way, that over my time racing on two wheels, I've tried every type of trickery and skullduggery out there. And I guess that's why I'm giving you them all back in this podcast. But they were born out of necessity for me. Today, my own Oakland Swarves Academy riders would tell you how hopeless my sprint is. 
and it was no better 20 years ago. So finding ways to trick your way up the road became a thing. I can actually remember my mum, of all people, coming to watch me in a road race one summer. And we'd been told that we were allowed to feed from anywhere as it was such a hot day. My lovely mum, Anne, took two bottles and I dispatched her to wait on a rolling but advantageous hill, telling her I would definitely need a bottle on that first lap and she must not miss me. So hold it high up and keep looking for me, mum, as she did. Why she didn't question that we'd only have done about three miles by that point and I had two full bottles on my bike anyway, I'll never know, but that's mum's for you, isn't it? And you can guess what I did. She held the bottle so high and so obviously that, of course, as I indicated right and pushed my way off the front of the bunch to get that much needed third full bottle, everyone let me go ahead and get it. I even raised my hand as if to take it, but this was just a cruel bluff for both my mum and the bunch because with arms still raised, I just started pressing on and passed her. And I seem to remember it worked too because I was shortly joined by five or six other riders and eventually later in the race, of course, I was spat from the very same group that I'd lovingly crafted myself, still. That's karma, maybe. Anyway, enough about me chipping my way around the good old days, though. One of my favourite pressing on wins that I've had the pleasure of commentating on came in the 2019 Tour of Denmark. The undulating second stage, leading some of 10 or more riders, came to the finish together, and it contained the Belgian Tej Benoot, riding for Lotto Sudal, as he was then. In, Benut, in, in the, the, the group as well was Benut's teammate, Jasper de Boist, who was almost certainly the strongest sprinter in there. <clears throat> the run into the finish was a big, straight, wide, fast descent, which spilled straight into a flat couple of hundred metres to the finish line. Now, the textbook says that Benut should be working for de Boist, and everyone in there would know that. So, of course, the textbook becomes the instrument with which to beat them. We can all do a fast turn on the front of a descending peloton and make it look impressive and purposeful, and that's exactly what Benoit did until uh, did with the others, sorry, lined out on his wheel. But he swung off early and went out wide, of course, flicking his elbow and panting as he did, so as to give it the indication of, I'm done, over to you, Jasper. Telegrams sent to that group, and of course, as the group took this in, without a change in form or a click of gear, he simply started pressing on. Three metres, six metres, and he was gone. He had time to celebrate, and Jasper de Bus took the sprint for second behind two, so the perfect day. Tej Benut is always, by the way, a fascinating rider to watch. Whenever you see a rider who's so tall and catches lots of wind, but who isn't a recognised sprinter or climber or time trialist, then you know they're getting something right to be as active and consistent as he is. As well as having lungs like rubber buckets and legs like steam engine pistons, he also has a very polished tactical toolbox and he's not afraid to use it. So, P, pressing on. Try it on your next group ride. They'll hate you. No, try it in a race. If it works, they will hate you. No, try it as you roll to the shops with the kids. They'll hate you too. Hmm, and that's exactly why we do it. Mm -hmm.